Welcome to From X to Z, the ultimate cross-generational conversation on health, wellness, and self-care. Guided by inspiring Gen Z trailblazers and expert voices. I'm your host, Vicki Cornwall. Get ready for eye-opening insights and actionable tips that transform your life. Welcome to another episode of our podcast. Today, we have a very special guest joining us, Dr. Yumiko Nakamura, a resident physician at San Francisco General Hospital, specializing in family medicine. With her extensive background in healthcare and her passion for helping others navigate the complex world of medicine, Dr. Nakamura is here to demystify the healthcare system and provide valuable insights on understanding its basics and how to navigate it. Dr. Nakamura's journey in the medical field is truly inspiring. She began her academic pursuit at Yale University, just in case you've heard of that school, where she studied psychology with a focus on neuroscience. After college, she dedicated her time as a community health corps volunteer, where she played a crucial role in structuring an insurance outreach and enrollment program within the community. And it was during this experience that her interest in medicine was ignited, leading her to pursue a medical degree at the University of Florida College of Medicine, where she graduated in 2021. Currently, Dr. Nakamura is in her residency training at San Francisco General Hospital, specializing in family medicine, and her deep understanding for the healthcare system, coupled with her genuine passion for providing comprehensive care to individuals and families, makes her an invaluable resource for unraveling the complexities and navigating the healthcare landscape. In today's episode, we'll be diving deep into the topic of understanding the healthcare system. We'll explore common misconceptions, demystify terminology, and provide practical tips on how to navigate the system effectively. Dr. Nakamura will share her expertise and offer guidance on topics such as insurance, finding the right healthcare providers, and advocating for your own health. Whether you're a patient, a caregiver, or simply curious about how the healthcare system works, this episode will equip you with the knowledge and tools to navigate this intricate world with confidence. So get ready to demystify the healthcare system as we welcome Dr. Yamiko Nakamura to the podcast. Without further ado, let's jump right into the conversation with Dr. Nakamura and unravel the mysteries of the healthcare system. Welcome, Dr. Nakamura. Hi, thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Thank you for joining us today. I'm so excited to tackle this conversation with you. Um, But before we jump into the heart of the matter, I do have to ask, did you always want to be a doctor? No, like capital letters, N-O, no. Um, I don't have a cool origin story. I like to tell people like I, you know, didn't have like some life-saving surgery or any like (laughs) necessarily. Um, I think I came to medicine as a career the way most folks find their career path. I didn't, you know, come from a family of doctors. Mm. I um, was the first in my family to graduate from college. So there was a lot of just aimlessness to my career paths. I did know people. Um, I knew like grownups who were doctors and um, did like a little, little bit of shadowing when I was in high school, but really thought it wasn't for me, honestly. Oh, wow. Yeah. So where, where did you get that inspiration from? What what really motivated you to want to be a doctor? Yeah, it was my freshman. Sorry, it was the summer after my freshman year in college, actually. Um, mm. Yeah, I was staying with a friend who let me crash like in his like really small studio apartment. It was just like, yeah, very typical, like 
somewhere in your early 20s trying to live in New York City. And I had a bunch of like odd jobs, including interning for our mutual friend, Dr. Manisha Sharma. Yes. Uh, yeah, she was at the time um, a family medicine resident um, working in the Bronx. And so she in and of herself is very inspiring. So I love to hear about mm-hmm. your relationship with her. Yeah, totally. I tell her all the time that she is one of the main reasons that I'm in medicine. And it's totally true. And it started in that moment. But uh, at the time, she was working on a big like project for clinical voter registration. It was the summer that the Supreme Court was hearing um, arguments about upholding a lot of parts of the Affordable Care Act. Uh, including the individual mandate. And so Manisha was doing a lot of like had a lot of speaking engagements around that. And she just let me tag along as her intern. And I just thought it was really neat, you know, that I didn't realize that as a doctor, you could use it, um, the career as a platform to navigate all mm. of these different spaces. Yeah. Including like being there for folks one-on-one, but also, you know, having a voice in health policy, uh, community engagement or activism or advocacy. So I just thought it was a really cool job that I wanted to be a part of. Yeah, yeah, that's a great, that's a broader view than what people typically think of when they think a doctor and what a doctor does. So much more than just putting a Band-Aid on it. (laughs) For sure. Mm -hmm. So how has the process been thus far? Medical school and, and now you're in your residency. How's that process been? Ooh, it's been a ride. <laughs> it's been a ride, I guess is the best way to put it. It's hard to describe. I think it's been expected and unexpected in a lot of ways. Mm. I feel very fortunate. I feel like the things that inspired me to come into this career are have held true um, and are still like the same motivating factors, mainly like for me, it's a path back to community and serving community and feeling connected to community. Um, So that's been really nice. Being a first generation college graduate is a very big identity um, defining component uh, for me. And I think it then also um, it, it also is a big part of the things that I struggle with in this career, mm. if that makes mm. sense. It, it defines like a lot of like the really good parts of my career. And I think it defines a lot of the challenges. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I think if there are young folks who are looking to get into medicine, the biggest thing I would tell myself in hindsight is that it's it's all rigged. <laughs> it's all rigged. It's all rigged. <laughs> It's so Dr. True. Nakamura, pulling back this to the covers. Okay, okay. It is, it is to an extent all rigged, and like what I mean by that is, you know, I I I have been in really small schools with really fancy names, and I've gone to really large state public universities uh-huh. um, on this journey to med to my career in medicine, and. There are just so many little barriers that come up and that sort of like convalesce to make it really hard to get into this field mm. Um, mm. across the board at all those institutions. And the things that make me the best doctor I can be just have nothing to do with the qualities that got me the test scores I needed to get in um, or my connections 
my ability to talk to, you know, the right people or like how, like just na- my ability to navigate some of like the social interactions in the field. And I feel like that is not an uncommon experience and not an uncommon insecurity. So uh. just as someone who is now reaching the other side, I think it's important to just talk about and let others know along their journey that, you know, it's they if, if they really feel inside their hearts that this is the career for them, that they shouldn't be deterred by a system that is mm. rigged. <laughs> well, I, I would say that it's definitely your this this empathetic nature that you have that makes you perfect for having this conversation with today because the fact of the matter is there's a lot of people out there that are, are confused and are just struggling trying to understand healthcare and the healthcare system. And so I really am super excited, you know, to jump into this and, you know, really we're here to better understand the complicated healthcare system and and learn about how we can look better after our health preventatively. So how would you describe the healthcare system right now? And what are the issues that people that you see people facing in healthcare Mm -hmm. and getting healthcare? Yeah. You start off with all the the big questions. <laughs> oh, our healthcare system, I think the best way to describe the barriers of the healthcare system are to talk about everything that it's not. Mm, okay. Like, I think from my perspective, the ideal healthcare system, starting from, I think, the very personal level, it would be really accessible. It would be very easy for patients to make an appointment, right? They wouldn't have to jump through the hoops of navigating insurance, right? And then the the short supply of primary care physicians and having to yeah. wait a really, really, really long time after finally finding one that they want <laughs> to actually like have an appointment with them. And then I think after that, it which would be a very coordinated system. Mm. It would be easy for primary care physicians to talk to specialists and vice versa. And a patient should feel like their care is being coordinated on a level um, for in their best interest. Right. And that yeah. necessarily doesn't happen. And then when I think on like the big, big level, you want as I would want a, a medical system that really centers and promotes wellness. You know? Yes, yes, it all and comes together, right? Exactly. Yeah, and instead we have a system that is really often like putting out fires and trying to tackle disease without really understanding, like from a holistic perspective, like what causes disease. Uh huh. Uh huh. So, what are some of the common misconceptions or myths about healthcare that you've heard do people like maybe they've come into the hospital or that you learned around, you know, just as in your studies um, that we should be aware of? Mm-hmm. I think if we're talking to younger folks, the biggest misconception is that you have to have something quote unquote wrong to go see a doctor. Mm. Yeah. But I think that is what most of us think. Yeah. And so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. even just young people. <laughs> Yeah, true. Everyone across the board, it's true. Um, That's a really common experience. I hear from a lot of patients that they, for a lot of reasons, just waited for something to get to a certain point before they came to see a doctor. And, you know, we can spend a lot of time talking about what some of those reasons are. But um, I think for younger folks, there is this misconception that, yeah, they have to have like a reason. And really, primary care exists to keep you healthy, to optimize your health. And the Mm. best time to do that is when you actually feel like there aren't a million things that are wrong. 
Oh, that's great insight. You know, that's actually interesting you bring up primary care because I was doing some reading and I saw that 45% of 18 to 29 year olds don't have primary, don't have a primary care provider. So that was very surprising to me. What do you, why do you think that is? Why do you think that people, young people are just not bothering having a primary care provider? Mm-hmm. Not completely surprised by that statistic, having been in that age range, not that long ago myself. <laughs> you just have other, I get the sense that there are other priorities and um, it is really hard when you're trying to figure out so many aspects of your life that relate to health, like what, it's hard to make that investment would be my view, you know, especially when a lot of your, a lot of that time between 18 and 29 is spent just putting out fires and trying to figure out your next step. So that's a very relatable feeling for me. Yeah. But how important is it to have one though? So they're not having it, but is it an important thing that they should do? Yes. <laughs> I'm biased, but I I I think yes, because by the time one, you don't want to deal with the hassle once you do have something wrong of trying to set up with a primary care provider. It takes months. Mm. You know, mm. so you at very minimum want to be plugged in somewhere with someone where if something, even if you only go when things are wrong, like you can quickly get an appointment. Finding a new primary care provider is a process like through you have to get in. Once you have insurance, you have to find like who's in your network. You have to call, see if they're accepting patients. Again, like not the ideal health system. Right. And then you have to wait usually for months. So it's important. It's important for young folks to establish that. And it's also a myth that there's nothing. If you feel like there's nothing, quote unquote, wrong, it's a myth that there aren't um, like health screenings that you that you. you mm. Yeah, it's a it's a myth that you don't even if you don't have things that are wrong, like it's a myth that you don't need health screenings or there aren't um, tests that you should have or thing information you should be aware of. Got it. Got it. What questions then? So let's say you're a young person and you, and you subscribe to the thought that actually I should be having a primary care physician just in general. What questions should you be asking when you see your private, your primary care doctor? I would actually turn that around to the patient oh. and say, what are the things that are nagging you that are keeping you up at night because we all have them about uh-huh. your body, your health, your overall lifestyle. You know, I find that most young people, I get a little suspicious when a younger person comes and they say that they just want a wellness checkup. <laughs> that would be my dream scenario if that were true. Like, wow, so a younger person just like trying to invest in their health, right? But um, you're like, it doesn't happen. <laughs> a lot of times there's something on folks' minds. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. And I, going back to like our, like, you know, what are the barriers in the ideal healthcare system? I don't think that we as primary care physicians in this medical system do the best job of always leaving space um, for patients to bring up those concerns. Mm. If that makes sense. Like, you know, you're in a really awkward room that feels very sterile talking to someone who potentially you've never met for a very short period of time. And you're supposed to bring up all of these questions and embarrassing things that you've had on your mind. And that the burden is on us a little bit to make sure that patients feel comfortable. Right. 
So that doesn't always happen then because it can be intimidating going to a doctor. And, in you know, you think, okay, this person is so smart and they have all this information and here's, you know, little old me. What advice do you have for someone to advocate for all their own health and effectively communicate with a healthcare professional? Mm-hmm. I love that question. I would tell people to, before the appointment, reflect on what it is that is bothering them or what they want to make sure they have addressed and to write it down. And that way, Mm. if you, in the moment, maybe become a little bit overwhelmed or forgetful or just, I don't, for whatever reason, feel uncomfortable bringing it up, you can have something to refer to, or you can just, I've had, I've had people I've had a lot of people bring in lists to me and sometimes if they're struggling to really verbalize what's on their mind, like they'll just give me the list Mm. and we'll work together. I love that. So plan ahead, do a a little planning ahead. Plan ahead, plan ahead. And then just, just ask, just ask the embarrassing question. Like there. I love it. Ask the embarrassing question. Yes. Ask the embarrassing question. There (laughs) is very, very little that surprises us. You know, I, (laughs) let's talk about the STDs that you're curious about. Let's talk about Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. the random toe fungus that you have. Like, just bring it up on a a more serious note. Like, you know, folks will say, I have this anxiety and I don't know if it's a normal type of anxiety or if it's something I should talk to Mm, someone. Someone the other day just said, I have these thoughts. And I'm like, okay, let's talk about that. Um, So physical and mental health, things that are hard to talk about, but if they were serious and compelling enough for them to keep you up at night and for you to make an appointment, um, make sure you, you bring them up. Got it. Got it. So we talked a lot about the primary care physician. Is is that essentially like the main doctor you should try to have in like in your repertoire of, of doctors? Or is there like a base set of doctors that one should have to see, you should see on a regular basis? Uh, it depends. It depends on just your individual health and your individual needs. Um I think the primary care doctor is definitely in the middle and the person who can help you coordinate and refer to other specialists. Uh And then I would argue the other doctor you should absolutely have is a dentist. Oh, okay. Yeah. Usually something that we neglect, but oral healthcare is like, oral care is like very um, connected to the rest of the body. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Okay. All right. So we, earlier on, we kind of talked really quickly about um, just not only is the healthcare system confusing, but then there's there's insurance when you kind of throw that in there. And um, I, personally, as a you know, as a as a Gen Xer here, I find insurance insurance is is very confusing. The whole world of insurance is extremely confusing. But what if any communication do you have with your patients about insurance? Very little and not enough is mm. the answer. Unfortunately, it's so complicated that the chances are that you're doctor doesn't understand the nuances of it or even knows all of the physicians or specialists who are in your network or out of your network. Oh. Yeah. That's a that's an interesting one about the in the mm-hmm. network, out of the network, because that can be definitely confusing too. I I was actually speaking um with a young person and we were talking about this you know, this, the fact that we were, I was doing this episode and I was asking them like, what questions would you have, you know, to, to 
um, a healthcare professional. And one of the things they talked about was um, how do you tell your doctor no when they refer to you to another mm-hmm. doctor that's not in your network? It's mm-hmm. like, I was like that's that's interesting because again, it could be it, it can be you know a little intimidating talking to your doctor and they're telling you, oh, go see this doctor, and you're kind of like, but I just found out I have to pay like triple the amount to go see that guy. Yeah, I would say more often than not, it's unintentional. And again, goes back to why do we have such a complicated healthcare system um, that no one on any level seems to really understand. Um, (laughs) So just, I would encourage that person to just say that this physician is not in my network, please don't refer me to them. And that is a very reasonable request. Yeah. Okay. So switching gears a little bit, what are key components of a healthy lifestyle that, you know, that we should really be focusing on? Yeah, this is where I wanted to share a graphic and a tool that I use with patients um, that I will let you figure out for copyright reasons, (laughs) but it is called a wellness wheel. The wellness wheel is, it's literally just a circle and it looks like it has different pie slices Uh, Uh and it there are different versions out there. I'm not a hundred percent sure what the origin is of the wellness wheel, but they're right. There are about like six or seven prongs and the most common ones are, they're supposed to represent different areas of wellness. And so the most basic ones are intellectual, uh, physical, emotional, social, spiritual, and then something like financial, occupational. Interesting. I'm going to have to check out this wellness wheel. Okay. But it is the concept that our health and wellness is not one dimensional. It's not all physical. We tend to focus a lot on the physical and that's the conversation of, are you eating the things that make your body feel good? Are you moving your body in a way that feels good to your body? But it's really just one slice of the wellness pie. So um, to be well and to feel even physically well, then you should also try to focus on your emotional well-being. You know, are you, do you feel like um, you are controlling like anxiety and stress? Um, intellectual yeah. well-being for younger folks, we talk a lot about school or like just some sort of like hobby or pursuit that they have. Um, mm-hmm. Social do you have a good network of folks who are supporting you that's linked very closely to, to your overall health um, and physical manifestations of health? Occupational, financial, I think for kids or for adolescents or younger folks can be even if it's not a job, like some sort of structure, like chores and hobbies. And then spiritual, even if folks aren't religious, it's just this feeling of um do you feel like you have a purpose in life or just connected to something that's bigger than you? And so I, I go over that wheel with folks and with parents and, um, you know, try to say, pay attention to each one of these and, mm. and take an inventory of, are you doing at least one thing that is optimizing your wellness in that domain? Um, I love that. Yeah. I can't take credit for it at all. There is a faculty member who runs um, the curriculum of what we call family systems. It's what we uh-huh. ascribe to in family medicine. Um, and he's the one that introduced that to me in my practice. But I love the fact that that's being taught to doctors. And then you then 
pass that information on to patients. This uh, this holistic approach is is it's amazing. So are there now we're getting back to like very tactical questions here. Are there any specific screenings or vaccines that um, one should be aware of as a young adult? Yes. Um, there, at minimum, um, are recommendations set forth by a, a body. I always mix, mess it up, but it's called the USPSTF. I believe it stands for, I have to look at my phone, United States Preventative Service, the U.S. Preventative Service, the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force. And it is a panel of like volunteer experts um, who go over evidence um, and then promote universal screening guidelines in order to prevent disease and promote health. Yeah. And there's um, a bunch of those that apply to young folks. Okay. Uh, Yeah. So at minimum, and I'm just pulling it up so I don't miss any, but at minimum, your primary care physician should be screening you for anxiety and depression. Um, Hmm. We always check for in terms of cardiovascular health for uh, high blood pressure is something that's recommended even for younger folks. Cancer screening is a big, big domain of preventive health. Yeah. Younger folks usually don't have to worry about that too much. Right. It's, It's uncommon. The times when that's not true is one, if you have a really strong family history of cancer. So Mm. if you have especially immediate family members with breast cancer, ovarian cancer, colon cancer, it's something I would talk to your doctor about. And the other is cervical cancer. Um, Pap smears are the ways that we screen for cervical cancer. Um, And it is something that we recommend starting at the age of 21. Okay. Check, check, check. Got to get, get those things on a yeah, list. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> the other ones just really quickly, I don't know if you want to include them all, but uh, screening for sexually transmitted infection, we recommend um, across the board for younger folks um, who are sexually active and then HIV screening for everyone once in their lifetime. And then just counseling around um, things like tobacco and alcohol. Okay. So that is the full, well, I believe the full list. If, if nothing else, it definitely gets us thinking about, okay, these are the things I need to be considering and thinking, okay, well, I should be prioritizing this. I need to be going out looking for um, finding um, answers or asking questions around these areas. So that's great. And actually, you mentioned mental health and, you know, everyone, that's a huge topic right now, talking about the the challenges and the, and the epidemic that's going on right now around mental health, particularly with young people. Um, how important do you think it is uh, for young people to prioritize their mental health and, and what's, you know, what advice you have about seeking help when needed? Yeah, I read that question and I am struggling to come up with an answer for a lot of reasons. I think in general, I, which is the MO in my life in residency, which just was running behind and skimming this list of questions like 30 minutes before the interview. And I feel like your podcast should have this, like one of those like giant disclaimers, like this is not expert opinion, you know, please do not use this to replace expert opinion, um, which is true, yeah. but also it just speaks to this, like the cool and exciting, but also scary part about talking about all of these topics is that I am a, um, a resident physician 
Right. And I swear this has like a connection to your question, but I'm a physician in training, um, meaning that yeah. I am still learning the way that I approach these questions with patients. And as a semi-young person myself, I am also wondering how should I prioritize mental health? You mm-hmm. know, all to say, like, I want someone to give me the answers to all of these. I think something that I am learning. And so I this is more, I guess, personal experience than professional experience, but maybe both together. I'm learning that it's important to just ask for help. And it's important to be vulnerable in that in in some capacity, right? I, in the spirit of that, will share that not that long ago, I was feeling probably the worst I've ever felt at work. And was the closest I've ever come to asking for a day off and calling out. Mm. Yeah. And that was not like months ago. This was like two weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) I know. But it it caught me off guard because I feel like I always thought that I would be the person to like know when it's time to just ask for help. Mm. Right. Mm. And just to say. Yeah. Yeah just to like say I need a day off or whatever. But I, it, it really snuck up on me. It really snuck up on me. And then it didn't start getting better until I, I think I started getting some outside perspective, like really telling folks like these are. So I guess my advice would be like one, to really pay attention um, to what you're feeling and patterns of what you're feeling. Like is this just fluctuating up and down or is this feeling that I'm feeling very persistent? And day to day, getting worse. Am I feeling really tired? There are usually a lot of physical manifestations of that your mental health isn't at its peak. Am I feeling, yeah, really tired? Is my heart beating really fast? Am I sweating all the time? Like, are things that usually don't cause me to feel this way causing me to feel this way? And then to tell someone about it, whether that's like a friend or a primary care physician, just to get that outside perspective. Because you may not realize that you're, you can sort of viscerally feel that you're not well, but like if it sometimes will take someone else to say like, hey, that actually doesn't sound that great. Um, and you should talk to someone about it. And and primary care will say, you know, maybe do you want to plug into therapy or do you want to look over, it sounds like you have really severe depression. Do you want to go over pharmacologic options, medication options to help as as well as therapy? Or do you want to just talk about tools? So prioritizing, I think it's hard, um, uh, but paying attention to how you're feeling, not ignoring it, and getting outside perspective would be my two tips. Learn the hard way. Yeah, yeah. This has been um, a really amazing conversation, I have to tell you. Um, I, I, I said that I'm doing, you know, I'm, I'm these are questions that I, I'm asking on behalf of, of young people, but honestly... It's it's for all of us. I mean, we all need to have these conversations and, and think about um, some of the points that we brought up. Those conversations are not had enough. Let's just say that for sure. Yeah, I agree. I would be curious. I don't know. If, I know we might probably be running out of time, but in reading some of your questions, I was really curious in the conversations that you're having with so many young folks. Like in this profession, I think we tend to get very out of touch the further along we are in training um, mm-hmm. with that perspective. So I was just curious, like what young, what have you been hearing from younger folks are the things that are hard and scary about going to a doctor? 
Yeah. And actually, like most of the question I asked, literally, I got from some, like I was, I was mm-hmm. asking the questions of people to say, look, I'm going to, I'm going to actually talk to someone who is like you, young, but it happens to be in the medical profession. What would you want to know? What, mm-hmm. what, what, what questions would you want? Cause by the way, they actually prefer the idea of talking with someone who looks like them. They, they find mm-hmm. it much more relatable. Um, I mean, look like, like a younger person versus like, yeah. you know, this white haired old white yeah. guy, you know, doctor, et cetera. So um, the questions I have are literally some of the questions that I, I found that people were had in their, on their, you know, in their, in their minds and thinking through. Can I speak to the point of choosing a primary care physician related to the point you just brought up? Yeah. I would say shop around. Like find a primary care provider that you connect with, um, that you feel comfortable with. And it's kind of, I think, the same way folks describe um, therapists and a relationship with a therapist in a way where everyone has a different, every therapist has a different style. Yeah, yeah. We we think of medicine as like much more cut and dry and like no matter where I go, I'm going to get the same recommendations. Mm -hmm. Yes and no. You'll get some gist of the same recommendations, but there's so much value. And the part that drew me to medicine is just that human connection component and exploring someone's health with them. That requires a lot of trust. Um, and it looks differently for different patients. Some people uh-huh. just do want the, this, the cold facts in and out done, right? And some folks want to explore that a little bit more. So yeah, shop around. If you feel like something just doesn't click with a primary care provider, you have other primary care providers in your network, I guarantee you. It's just, it's hearing this is kind of, kind of like, of course, why, why didn't I think <laughs> of that myself? I love that. Yeah. Shop around. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're never offended. I mean, I guess I can't speak for everyone. I'm never offended if if patients want to switch. You know, I think at the end of the day, all primary care physicians just want the best for their patients and um, whatever that means. And sometimes identity concordance is really important to building mm. that relationship. So, yeah, go for and it. It's rela- you just said it. it's a relationship. It's an actual mm-hmm. relationship, right? Totally. All right. And that brings us to the end of another enlightening episode. I hope you found our discussion with Dr. Yumiko Nakamura valuable in demystifying the healthcare system and gaining a better understanding of its basics. Remember, knowledge is power. And by arming yourself with information, you can navigate the healthcare landscape with confidence and advocate for your own well-being. Because ultimately, you are your best advocate in the healthcare system. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. Be sure to click the follow button on your podcast app to stay updated on our latest releases. Connect with us on Instagram and YouTube at From X to Z Podcast for more exciting content. We'd love to hear from you, so feel free to reach out with your questions and topic suggestions for future episodes. I'm Eugene X host Vicki, and you've just enjoyed From X to Z, the podcast that bridges the generations. <laughs>